Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Marketing Ops Confessions. I'm Laura Abair. I'm the Demand Gen Manager here at MadKudu, and I am joined by the amazing Dr. Debbie Gagish. She's the Principal and Chief Strategy Officer at the Pedowitz Group. She's a strategic marketing ops advocate. She's a revenue marketing pioneer, strategist, and, and speaker and writer. She She's come with many insights today. So thank you for joining us, Dr. Debbie, and welcome. Laura, pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. And I'd love to start out if you can give us an inter- uh, an overview of what it is that the Pedowitz Group does and what you do specifically as their chief strategy officer. Okay, well, I always tell people I have the best job in the world. Uh, number one, I'm very passionate about what I do. And number two, my job really is to go out into the market and talk to all these wonderful, innovative, creative marketing organizations to find out what they're doing. And a lot of times when we work with organizations, it's kind of in a couple of different areas. Number one, either marketing needs to transform the role of marketing in their organization from being a pens and mugs department to being an actual revenue driver and or we have a larger revenue transformation happening, which typically involves marketing sales and also the customer success teams. So we've been very fortunate to work with some of the best brands and some of the best companies in the business. We started in 2007 and uh, we haven't looked back since. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of change and transformation from 2007 to today. And I know that's one of the things we're going to talk about is Mm -hmm. how we're taking marketing and marketing ops and this revenue side of things and and building it up to have the strategy and develop revenue through the the operations role and organization. And I love that you brought up that you're passionate because I see that about you as a voice for marketing and leaderships and marketing operations and revenue operations. And there's this, Mm -hmm. um, what we're seeing is like a revolution of marketing operations and being more strategic and what you're seeing and you've mentioned to me as this evolution of the operations space. And I'd love to start there of what what are you seeing or what has really started this evolution of the marketing operations role specifically? That's a great question, Laura. And let me begin with a little bit of history. I bought my first marketing automation system in 2007 when I was CMO of a fast growth technology company in Atlanta, Georgia. I bought Eloqua. It was the only game in town. And I didn't know until many years later that I was customer 12 at Eloqua, wow. right? All I knew was that when I saw that technology, I I knew it would change forever the role of marketing as it related to revenue. And prior to that, most of my career had been in sales. So I I come with a very sales savvy. And I think back in those days, if you had like five different pieces of technology and marketing, you were woo woo. You were pretty hot stuff, right? Yeah. We know through Scott Brinker's work with Chief MarTech and the MarTech conferences that there's, you know, what, eight, nine thousand different pieces of technology now. And it's been interesting to see that history of how technology has fully enabled marketing in brand new ways. But quite often, marketing kind of misses the mark on delivering on that promise. And I think in the early days, as we began to intake and use this technology, it was a little bit more of a pretty shiny toy syndrome, Laura. 
And I think where we've come, especially, and it's the role of marketing operations, is to take marketing from being just that creative, uh, you know, pens and mugs kind of department to actually, how do you use this technology to make a business impact? And when I talk about a strategic marketing operations organization, that's what I'm talking about. A strategic marketing operations organization fully allows marketing to deliver on that promise of being a revenue driver. And without that, marketing will always be a pens and mugs department. With it, they become a revenue driver. Right. And you mentioned that you had purchased a tool, in this case, Alica, when you were a CMO. And so now we're starting to see maybe this divide between marketing leadership and CMOs in these operations roles. And so I'm curious in your position and your experience as a marketing leader yourself, what have you seen from now there's these operations specific roles who are maybe owning the tech stack or making purchases, CMOs who maybe still get that shiny tool syndrome and maybe don't fully understand the strategic impact that this tech brings and those who are owning these um, roles? Interesting question. And I kind of see three CMOs. I see the CMO who's blithely unaware. Um, and these are mostly CMOs who come into organizations as really being the, the brand kind of mm -hmm. person, more of a traditional uh, CMO role. It's not that that role is not useful. It is but it's no longer all that a CMO can be. Right. And then I see these CMOs who pretend like they understand technology. And those are the ones that get a little bit more, more of a pretty shiny toy syndrome. And then we see CMOs who are actually using technology to be able to drive revenue and to make a impact on the business. So those are the three kinds of CMOs that I see. And it's so interesting to me, Laura, that as we sit here in 2022, CMOs are still across those three spectrums. Right. Yet at a board level, the majority of organizations are now telling market marketers, hey, you've got to help us drive revenue. You know, we're, we're in a new world where the customer's in control and it's it's ever increasingly digital. Right. So market marketing, you have to step up and help us. You have got to be become part of the revenue team. And the enabler for that is that marketing operations organization. And one of the things that I talk about in my book, From Backroom to Boardroom, which is all about the rise of strategic marketing operations, is the marketing operations leader, right? Yeah. And how they can't only be a tech geek or a button pusher. They have to be strategically thinking about, I've got all the power of this technology how can I use it? How can I inform the business that we can have a better business model or drive more revenue or get more satisfied customers, right? Because there's so much power in that technology. And that is what a strategic marketing operations organization does with a strategic marketing operations leader. They use the power of that technology to make a difference in the business. Yeah. There's so many things that I love in your book, and I love how you talk about being a strategic marketing operations leader and what that looks like for an organization and a, a CMO or a marketing leader to understand. So you have the perspective of the individual to step up that way, but the organization to support mm -hmm. that. And one thing that 
I'm really curious of from your perspective is we hear marketing ops um, professionals, those who are just starting out, those who are leaders that they feel stuck in this button pusher, very tactical. And so the marketing operations professionals are speaking up and they're offering suggestions and playbooks and whatnot. But whose responsibility is it really to make sure that it, the marketing operations role and function is being elevated to this. It's the, it's the CMO. It's the yeah. CMO. And I can go into any organization. I can have one conversation with the CMO and I can tell you if they're being successful or not. Because yeah. if you don't have a CMO and a CMO doesn't have to be a nerd, they don't have to be a tech geek, right? They just have to give their head of marketing operations they have to make them a partner, right? That's what they have to do. The CMO has to be in partnership with the head of marketing operations to really use that technology. And so I want to share a story with you about, you know, you use the term button pusher. And um, the whole idea behind my book, From Backroom to Boardroom, Begin Your Journey with Strategic Marketing Operations, was I was actually doing a conference, a MarTech conference. It was in the one they do in California on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was talking to a room full of marketing operations professionals. And I used the term button pushers. And I said, how many people work in an organization where your role as a marketing ops professional is viewed more as a, a button pusher? And way too many hands went up. And when I used the term button pusher with that group, it was a, they got a visceral, I got a visceral response from that, right? It's like I yeah. reached into their chest and ripped out their hearts, right? Because we are not button pushers. We can do so much more. So there was this extraordinarily pent up desire and frustration that they could be doing so much more to impact the business and that really was the beginning of the book. That's kind of how it all started. And yet I will say that still too many marketing ops organizations um, are, are still frustrated. And that is just a crisis of leadership. You know, we all know that the CMO role is about has 50 percent uh, less tenure than any other uh, executive in the organization. It's a very difficult role. It has so many different challenges to it. And I don't think today's CMO can be successful or, or hold on to their jobs, right, um, and progress if they don't have that head of strategic marketing operations as their wing person. It really is a one-two punch in the organization these days. Yeah, and I forget who it is, but there's a quote in your book where they were, I think it's a CMO or maybe a, a sales and marketing leader, and they mentioned that they really be, view the marketing ops professional, their leader as their enabler. Their success is because of their marketing operations function. That's it. That, that is exactly right. And uh, I've seen CMOs um, be let go, right? Because they were not able to bring that to the party. And so it really is a challenging position for the CMO. And again, their wing person has to be the head of strategic marketing operations. Yeah. And so... I have a, an interesting question for you. I hear a lot that the next CMOs are marketing operations professionals, but I'm curious, is, is that where the path of marketing operations should be? Should it be bigger? Is it a different title? Should it always be the CMO and this operations person together? Or is that where you see the operations role going? It is interesting. We are seeing more 
leaders of marketing operations become CMOs, right? But again, it depends on what the organization asks of a CMO. Right. I think that's part of the reason they have so much turnover because quite often companies, they may think they want one thing out of a CMO and then things change and they want something else from a CMO. And you're going to have the rare CMO who, who can do it all successfully, mm -hmm. right? And But I do see this just happened in a, in a, with a client that I'm working with. The head of marketing ops became the CMO of the organization mm -hmm. because that was exactly what that company needed at this point in time. So we are seeing marketing ops into the corner office CMO. And then, and we're also seeing the successful CMOs who understand marketing ops and technology going into the CEO slot, right? Okay. And for a long time, that that the number of CMOs becoming CEO was very low, and we start we're starting to see that to rise as well, because again, having that technology vision and acumen to understand how best to optimize that technology to change the business, to improve the business, to stay more competitive in the business is really what it takes to survive as an organization today. So yes, we are seeing those people going from marketing ops to CMO and CMO to CEO. Yeah. And speaking, you mentioned that, you know, everyone has somewhere to grow. Not everyone's going to have every box checked. And of course, that's where you get your support and whatnot. But in your book, you list not you do list some skills, but you list that you have this chart about behaviors and you yes. talk about this person being a digital visionary, data insights and obsess, a process engineer, change agent, skill mm -hmm. builder and functional facilitator. Yep. And I love that. And of course, again, like everyone's going to have strengths and weaknesses, but I'm right. curious, where do you see those who are rising to this leadership level? Where are you seeing the most and like what behaviors they have and where is there really a gap in these behaviors? That's a great question. And I would say it's their ability to collaborate across functions. It's really interesting, you know, marketing has a history of trying to partner with sales. Let's just take that as an example, right? And, uh, you know, we're sitting here in 2022 and the failures are massive, you know, in, in that category. Then along comes a marketing operations professional and they're able to knit together sales and marketing in a way that I've really never seen before. And I, I ask marketing operations professionals, why is it that you can create a credible relationship with sales where marketing could not? Some of it has to do with history, legacy, but quite often it has to do with the fact that they can talk about data, right? Mm -hmm. They can talk about the data demonstrates, the data shows, we have the data to support rather than just, you know, making stuff up, you know, off, off, off the cuff. And I've also seen marketing operations kind of play the role of Switzerland almost between marketing and sales. And so sitting there in, in the center and being able to communicate effectively to marketing, to sales and helping them communicate with each other is one of the things that I see as critical to a top performing marketing ops organization. Of course, optimizing the use of the technology, those things are critical, but I can't say enough about their ability to collaborate. And because they can collaborate, they can get things done cross-functionally 
that need to happen, but traditionally have been very difficult to drive. Yeah, what, one of the behaviors that stick out to me as you're saying that in that I've heard others say they really appreciate in their operations role is the skill builder. Like when they're telling the story with the data or they're providing this information, they're not just giving these numbers and these charts and dropping mm -hmm. it off, but they're helping them understand what does this mean? Where does that come from? And by giving this information and helping someone build their skills, that's such a natural way to be that functional facilitator and build these relationships and build that trust. Because again, it comes back to um, that marketing leader who said, you know, marketing ops is, is makes me successful. Is that that first time you help someone get that win, you're like, okay, this is my go-to person. Mm -hmm. This is my my buddy that's going to help me succeed and help the organization succeed. In the Again, the, there's two kinds of CMOs. There's CMOs mm -hmm. who they'll ask their marketing operations leader, I've got to go to the board. I have to do a report, pull some stuff together for me. And then they do a terrible job of actually presenting it because they don't understand it, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's a CMO who's in lockstep with the marketing operations leader. And then that marketing operations leader can fully prepare that CMO to have a business-oriented conversation based on data. And again, I just can't say enough about that, that relationship. Yeah. And you had mentioned too, and I think this will get us into um, the evolution continuing into revenue operations or what you consider the mm -hmm. next gen. Um, and it's, you know, you're talking about bringing in the the sales and the marketing, but it's about the entire customer journey and taking right. that information. And so tell me what you're seeing now about this next evolution into revenue operations and this next gen. Okay. One thing that I'll talk about in my book is I have a, a model for how mm -hmm. a marketing operations organization matures, right? Mm -hmm. And the last stage, Laura, as you mentioned, is what I call next gen. And next gen is very interesting because this is where you take marketing operations and sales operations and customer success operations and you create one organization that typically reports to the CRO or the COO or you take marketing ops, sales ops and customer success ops and you don't reorganize, but you create a center of excellence that so you now have that capability in house. And we're seeing a, a lot of interest in the notion of RevOps today. We just released a report. I think you were going to give people access to the report that yeah, we just, yeah. we, we surveyed 500 uh, professionals, marketing, sales, and customer success to find out what was happening in this world of RevOps. And it's super interesting because the number one thing that they all say is that by creating that tighter alignment, they're able to drive more revenue. That's just it at the end of the day. Sales wins, marketing wins, customer success wins, you know, everybody wins. Yet it requires a different way of thinking about the business. And if you think about it, Laura, we have spent years creating business models that are now no longer working for organizations. We live in a digital world. The customer's in control, right? We worked for you five years ago, 10 years ago. It just is not going to work in, in the new world that we live in. And so 
incredibly important in that change is how or how companies are responding to their customers, how they're creating optimal customer experiences, because so much of the customer experience with your company is online, right? It is through yeah. digital means. And so those companies who have figured out that formula are those who are winning in the digital economy that we have today. So this whole notion of RevOps, again, is this very, very hot right now. The number one driver to create a RevOps capability and or a specific function is this need to understand the customer and to be able to respond to customer changes in almost real time. That is what's creating competitive advantages for organizations, whether you're in the insurance industry, fintech, uh, moving, you know, it, it doesn't matter what kind of industry you're in. If you're not connecting with that customer, you know, you will not be successful in this new world that we live in. Yeah. And I'm seeing this, uh, this trend of, you know, moving to revenue operations or having titles there. But I'm also seeing some people say that revenue operations is just another, another term for sales ops or for supporting sales. And, you know, I do think some people, they, they do that. Some people do that. And, you know, and, and that's okay. If they want rev ops to be what used to be called sales ops, but they just put more focused on revenue, but we take a broader definition of it. And our broader definition includes all the customer facing functions of the organization. And then, how do you create that capability or that singular unit so that the company gets one view of the customer and everybody knows what they're supposed to do with the customer, no matter what part of the company the customer is interacting with? And that you also have data and you can make almost immediate it, uh, changes to what's mm -hmm. happening because you have all this data about the customer. So we take a broader definition of it. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned as well that, you know, you're seeing that these central functions are reporting maybe to a CRO or a COO. Mm -hmm. And why do you think that they're not reporting into a CMO? Well, and CMOs don't really like this, right? <laughs> a lot of CMOs I talk to, they don't want marketing operations taken away, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so in every organization is different. And a lot of times how you get organized depends on where the skill vacuums are, right. right? So if you have a CMO who's not very good about thinking about revenue and driving revenue, you know, you could see that function pulled away from marketing and put under the CRO. Mm -hmm. I will say that most of the marketing ops or, or, or rev ops leaders that I talk to would actually prefer to, it's about 50-50. 50% like to report to the COO because I think it gives them more credibility, right? Mm -hmm. And it also helps them act more like Switzerland. So everybody reporting data, there's no playing with the data, right? And it also gives them just a, a more centralized and less biased place to create that customer journey. The other 50% like it being within the realm of sales because sales drives everything. It's, you know, it's the engine, it's the lifeblood of an organization. So I see about 50-50. Yeah, yeah. And in the book as well, there was another story or a quote from someone who mentioned that they organize their operations in three different ways. And the third one was that they actually had some someone who was activating the marketing channels and the marketing automations, which might usually live in like a demand gen function, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I bring that up to ask is, do you find that there is a challenge of there? Of course, there's this great benefit of 
bringing this, these functions together, having this center of excellence, but is there a risk of losing um, focus under sales or CS or marketing? Of course, functions? naturally. There, I mean, there always is, you know, and again, it's not, it, there's not one best model. It's one best model for right now. Right. And I think that whatever kind of organization you put into place, it will change over time to be better responsive. And as I mentioned, quite frankly, to address talent vacuums that you might have in your organization. Yeah. And so and so, yes, I, however, Laura, I will say this. These silos of marketing here, sales here and customer success here. We're still talking about why we can't get together. I right. mean, at some point, you just have to call it. It's just crazy to be doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That's why we see RevOps becoming so uh, critically important in the growth of an organization because when they get rid of those silos, those walls, they're able to do what they have wanted to do for a very long time. You know, the casual collaboration stuff, it's not working. It just, in most cases, it's not working. And if I were a shareholder or the CEO or the board or, or, or heading the board of directors for a company like that, I'm looking to the CEO to optimize all of his or her resources to maximize shareholder value. And if, if, this, if this collaboration around that customer is not happening, then you're not doing your job. Right, right. And so one of the things that you mentioned, and the section is about like making the leap, and you talk about, you know, of course, building your strategy around the customer and that customer funnel. And like first to build that or say that you're really customer centric is that show the evidence, right? Mm -hmm. And so seeing where the evidence is and, of course, advocating for this change, but you need that strategy to, to make that change. And that change usually comes in the way of a new structure. And so um, and that structure comes from like aligning from the tech stack, from that journey with the stage, building yes. those milestones and the roles. And so mm -hmm. I would love to hear, like, what are some common structures that you see? And like, maybe what are the pros and cons of each? And of course, okay. sure. it depends yeah. on the organization, but mm -hmm. I'm sure there are some some commonalities. Yeah, people, people love org structures. And <laughs> one of the things when I wrote the book, I actually collected a whole bunch of org structures, but I just kind of ran out of book room, right? Yeah. So one of the most common structures I see is that um, you have a demand generation center that's in marketing and the marketing ops role is responsible for being like the administrator and the experts on the system, right? So mm -hmm. marketing ops is not involved in campaign strategy. Uh, there really are more about uh, optimizing the systems and also the reporting and the data that comes along with that, right? And in that kind of structure, they're constantly looking at data and saying, okay, marketing, try these things to improve, try these things to improve, or we see this data. And in that way, they're teaching marketing in the demand generation center to really, how do you interpret data? It's one thing to get data, another thing right. to, what do you do with the data, right? And so, so I kind of see that. And then sometimes I see the demand generation center actually over in marketing operations, right? Okay. And, um, and that's where they will have campaign strategists. 
Um, they will have all the strategy around campaigns and they drive a lot of things that you would typically expect the demand generation center to do, right? So I think those are the two structures that I see the most, but I think in the majority of cases that demand generation center is in marketing and it is supported by the marketing ops organization. But I also see marketing ops taking on roles like uh, creating a professional um, project management office. I see them taking on the job of um, working to create budgets with the CMO and then keeping a track of and reconciling those budgets, right? I see them, and that's all the stuff that they do just kind of like within marketing. But again, marketing ops spends a lot of time, whatever function they're in, they spend a lot of time working with other parts of the organization. Yeah. Especially around data um, and especially around uh, systems, right? That integration of systems. So those are some basic structures that I see. But I tell people all the time, it's still the wild, wild west when it comes to an org structure. It just depends on where your company is and what they need. And a lot of times where the talent vacuums are. Yeah. And say someone is making that leap or they're in that revenue ops next gen. And of course, again, it depends on on company size, right? So how are you seeing the function being combined as a center of excellence for maybe a very small company where it's maybe one role versus a very large company where it could be an entire department, how they would... Uh, manage this center of excellence? Yeah. So, so whether it's a center of excellence or it's a new function, mm -hmm. right? Um, what we see RevOps being responsible for are the data and the systems and the processes that affect the customer journey, right? Mm -hmm. That's the best way I know to talk about that. And you have to think about uh, above the line activities, things that you do that the customer sees like your website or, you know, sales sending out follow up emails or customer success follow up, things that the customer sees. And then there's all the processes endemic to the company that have to be knit together, right? So that everybody's on the same page with the customer, you know, like, like no matter, no matter where they are. Now, I've also seen some, I've seen, I've, I've seen one organization where um, one of their jobs was not to create content, but to kind of be the customer voice to make sure mm -hmm. that the content that was created and the messaging coming out from every part of the organization was coherent, Right. And yeah. that it all fit together. So they were kind of like the messaging, you know, central, right? To make sure that, or to make sure that if marketing was doing this campaign thing over here and say, you know, it's just kind of getting everybody on the same page around what's going out about the company and how they're communicating with the customer. And that was a very effective role for them. And they actually created a, what they called a customer council. Right. And so different parts of different uh, of these three organizations would come together on a monthly basis to talk about what are we expressing to the customer? How are we reaching out to the customer? How are they taking that? And how can we be you know, more knit together to create an optimal experience for the customer?
Yeah. And that goes back to having that customer journey and the tech that aligns with it. What you're using it and passing that message throughout. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so we talked a little bit about what are the behaviors that, you know, many that you're seeing many have or where there's a gap. But as you know, again, this, this evolution and this revolution is happening. People are still falling into these roles, but we're still, we're seeing people start to strategically step into these roles or they want to go in this path of operations. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious on your perspective for how can someone get into operations if they yeah. want to get into this next gen? Is it starting in marketing operations? Is it starting in sales? Is it starting in specifically revenue? Yeah, let's let's let's, let's talk about careers and roles. That's a that's a great uh, that's a great topic. So, uh, one of the things that I do every year is I teach an MBA class at the College of William and Mary. Been doing that for eleven years. And probably about five years ago, I started bringing uh, in marketing ops professionals with me because I always brought in other speakers because I have like most of the day and it's kind of like a seminar format. And um, and so I began bringing in marketing ops professionals. And, and I think the very first person I brought in was Dan Brown, who was VP of marketing operations for Verant. And uh, he did a great presentation. This is what marketing operations is. This is what my organization does. This is what we affect. These are the value that we bring. It was a great presentation. And he gets to the end of it. And one enterprising MBA student in the front row raises his hand and says, Mr. Brown, that sounds like a fascinating career. Um, You know, how do we come to work for you? And uh, Dan looked out over the classroom and he said, you know, I wouldn't hire any of you. And you could have heard a pin drop. His point was to a marketing operations professional is truly a purple unicorn. They have to understand technology, data, process, analytics, marketing, strategy, business, right? And so it's very difficult to have all of those skills within a single organization. In one chapter of my book, I talk about uh, how different companies have solved that problem. Some will take them right out of college or a couple of years out of college, and they just put them on rotations, start in marketing and then do some simple stuff in marketing ops, you know, to get your technology chops right. Um, Some will take people from within their company. They may be coming from marketing for people who have that acumen, or they may be taking somebody from IT who wants to get back into the business side of it, right? Um, There's no easy answer. And as everybody listening to this podcast knows, there is a talent war going on right now for these professionals. And there's just not enough marketing operations or RevOps professionals out there. There just simply is not. I know of one training program to train marketing ops professionals. And that's run by my good friend, Toby Murdoch at Highway Education. Yeah, we had him on the show. Yeah, exactly. And, and beyond that, uh, like, like we were working with, uh, we have a very large account in New York City that does these really nice credit card, you know, you might know who that is. And they just hired two uh, young ladies to go to work for them in marketing ops. And I told them, I said, do you know how lucky you are? Do you, do you know how lucky you are to have this job with this company in this profession? You're going to be able to write your ticket for success, right? So it's hard to break into, 
because it does take a lot of experience. And so sometimes I tell people, just go to work for the right company, a company that will give you the opportunity to learn and grow. And hopefully we'll have more programs out there, both in uh, at the undergraduate level and also just business programs that will help you become and, and learn those skills that you need to learn. So it's, uh, it's a challenge for the individual who wants to begin a career there. And it's a big challenge for companies who are trying to hire in the space. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like there isn't really like a true entry level role specifically for operations, because I, I think what's happening when people are falling into the role is that they're in these positions, be it sales or marketing or even customer success, where they experience different parts of the entire funnel and they either see ways to help optimize the experience mm -hmm. for the customer or they're ending up in situations where they're having a difficult time speaking yeah. to the customer, giving that optimal customer experience because their right. data is a mess or their tools aren't supporting mm -hmm. them or they don't understand what's happening on the other end. And so they have these aha moments of, mm -hmm. I'm experiencing this. How can I change it? Or how can I better serve someone else on the other end? So they're having these different experiences. That's right. That's right. Them into but areas. having all the experiences is difficult. I think, I think a path that we see most often is when somebody, uh, like let's say, for example, your company buys Marketo, HubSpot, Elqua, whatever, and you say, you say to somebody here, run this, right? And it's that person that really kind of becomes the marketing operations professional in many organizations. They learn so much by using that technology because it crosses so many parts of the business. And so that is, that is the quickest path is begin by getting your hands on a piece of that technology and learning how to use it. Um, that is the quickest path into marketing operations. Yeah. And so this might be a little repetitive in what you just answered, but I want to ask in case it brings in another perspective in that. So I'm hearing that it might be easier for someone to start with the tool and then build their way up to sh like being strategic. But what about the people who might even who are already thinking a little more high level, a little more strategic? Do they need to get back into the tools and learn that? Or is there still a path for that operational <sighs> leadership for them? I that's a great question. And I'm going to I'm a little split on the answer to that. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I say that is that if you're in marketing operations, you're damn good with technology, right? You can't just sit up here and be the strategic thinker. You got to know it, right? You got to know it. And you know it typically from doing some kind of hands-on work with some kind of technology somewhere. I, 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 you just can't be technology savvy you've got to be technology very confident, right? Mm -hmm. To be in marketing operations. So you just, it, it's just a requirement. You just, you just can't come in as a strategist. And because, because here's the other thing that happens, Laura, the technology changes so quickly. You have to keep up with what's new and you have to understand how things get done with this technology technology is not a silver bullet all by itself right and so i think you have to have you have to have a deep technical expertise at every level to be successful in marketing operations 
Yeah, we had uh, Andy Karen on the show uh, mm-hmm. a while back and she's at Revenue Pulse. And one thing she mentioned is like she's in a, at a VP level, but she takes time every now and then to get back into the tools because they're supporting these companies. And of course, it's good to have that strategic mindset and you can't always be in the weeds, but to have yes. an understanding of how these tools are working yes. and functioning. Yes going throughout the systems and the funnel only benefits your strategy. That's exactly right. You absolutely have to have that. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Dr. Debbie, any, any final thoughts about the evolution of marketing ops and revenue ops and, in building the talent in your career in that space? Yeah, I would just say it is a very exciting area to be in. It is, can give you, wonderful career opportunities. And if you have a passion for this area, follow that passion. It'll pay off because number one, you'll love what you do. Find a company that you can grow with and who will allow you to grow and learn. And it is one of the fastest growing areas within marketing and within the technology space today. And it is, it is a fantastic career. Again, if you like to learn, if you like to change, if you like to lead, it's a great place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And there's so much to learn about this. And we've mentioned it a few times. Dr. Devil literally wrote a book on it. Um, it is from backroom to boardroom and we'll make sure that we link it in the Mm -hmm. show notes and we'll link the report. Everybody gets a free copy. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, so Dr. Debbie, where can people connect with you, learn more about you and the Petowitz group? Sure. Connect. The best place is on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. And if you want to email me directly, it's Debbie at PetowitzGroup.com. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I know our audience and listeners are going to gain so much value. Let me say this, Laura, you were a fantastic interviewer. I mean, oh my gosh, she clearly read the book, everybody. I'm telling you, she read the book and your questions were fantastic. So thank you for hosting and thank you for having me. Oh, well, thank you so much, Dr. Debbie. And one thing I I forgot to mention is that, uh, of course, very nervous to interview, but admire you. I know when we first met, we connected on on both being Southern women and um, I think anybody, but especially women in the space as we look for more leadership um, and leadership and marketing and marketing operations, you're a great person. So I'm honored um, and humbled by this interview and this conversation with you. So again, thank you so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to, to everyone who gets to, to listen to this conversation. Thank you, Laura. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.